0: Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or go online to transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from the great state of Alaska. This might very well be our first guest from Alaska. We have retired police officer Gwen Grimes on the phone. Gwen, thanks so much for being on the Law Enforcement Day show. Very much appreciated. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. And by the way, Gwen is a reality TV celebrity. She was on the episode of Naked and Afraid. Was that season 10, episode 6, Baked Alaska?
1: That's correct. I was.
0: I watched it with my wife, and we were amazed at what you did. That's it. I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm doing a show fully clothed, and the best of my knowledge, Gwen is fully clothed. So the whole naked and afraid thing was a TV thing, this is radio, and that was the first episode of the show I've ever seen.
1: Really? Wow, yeah. well, I'm, I'm glad you were
0: able to watch it. I'll be honest with you, before seeing your episode, Gwen, I would sit there and see commercials for it and say, who in their right mind would ever want to do that? (laughs) And then I watched the episode with you in it I was like, that answers the question totally. If you were a cop for a long period of time, I don't care who you are, the question about being in your right mind I think is no longer a valid question
1: that is that's fact. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I mean that with you know as a, as a term of endearment uh before we get into all those details about your career you have something pretty cool going on in Alaska. Tell us what that is and what it's all about.
1: So after I got hurt in the line of duty, I, I disappeared into the woods uh upon and I homesteaded for about a year and uh, basically feeling sorry for myself not being able to continue my career or anything like that. But I decided after about a year of wallowing in my own misery that that was not me, not not who I am, not what I was put on this earth to do. So I had some friends come up, and they, they had some issues that they were dealing with for PTSD type stuff. And uh, they asked if they could come up and spend some time out in the wilderness with me and my boyfriend. So we're like, yeah, sure, come on up they came up and they were there for about a week with us and both of them had these life-changing experiences where they were able to get some mental clarity and kind of wrestle some of their demons and and be able to chat with us my my boyfriend is retired military and I'm retired police so both ends of the spectrum we were able to cover there and after they left we kind of looked at each other and said wow here here's our aha moment let's let's turn this into a retreat for wounded veterans and wounded police officers that can come up here and find that peace of mind, find that solitude, find that adventure of being off-grid, living out, uh, you know, surviving, having these adventures out in the Alaskan wilderness. And so that's what we started. We, we went through the process of getting it made into a nonprofit organization so that we could be able to give people, you know, tax credits if they wanted to donate, that kind of thing. And we got all of our our website up and running. It's www.wildwoods.com adventures.com and wildwoods is spelled w y l d w o o d z. It's on all my links uh on Facebook, Instagram, all of that. We have links to our to our website there. And it's just a place for people to come up and they can either relax and enjoy just the quiet atmosphere of where they're at. It's there's no there's no vehicle traffic, there's no street lights at night. It's it's out in the wilderness of Alaska. You got wolves and Bears as your neighbors, and we also offer a float trip down the Yukon River uh, going from Eagle to Circle, which is a 10-day float trip where we teach survival skills along the way and uh, have have that adventure. So we have a couple sticks in the fire on that. We're working on it. Pretty new business. We're getting things up and running, and we do have people filter in here and there. Uh, We are working with the Wounded Blue and some other bigger organizations uh, that are in the process of coming on board with us uh, to be able to start sending groups of people up to us once this virus uh, stuff is lifted.
0: So your website is wildwoodsadventures.com. That's spelled wild, W-Y-L-D, woods, W-O-O-D-Z, adventures.com, the common spelling. I, I noticed well, on there, you're in Eagle, Alaska. Whereabouts is that?
1: So Eagle, Alaska is on the Yukon River. We are 132 miles south of the arctic circle and three miles west of the canadian border
0: so that's an area it's safe to say gets pretty darn cold in the winter time
1: yeah we hit average temps in the winter are 30 to 40 below we can get anywhere down to 60 below
0: look i i don't think i could i'm all up for the cabin and you're right something magical happens, at least for me. We did something quite a while ago called Cops and Cabins, where we went to the mountains of Georgia. A bunch of police, active, retired, and not hearing sirens, not hearing all the stuff that brings on, unbeknownst to me, ratchets up my stress level. It, It was relaxing. It was great hanging out with people who understood and got me. Your place sounds like it's similar, but to a 100th degree, where you're really isolated and alone, and there's no man-made noise whatsoever except for the people there.
1: Yeah, correct.
0: And everybody there has got some sort of connection with law enforcement or military.
1: Everybody on our on our homestead, yes. Uh, the, the community that is down below where our homestead is actually at, we're up on the hill, overlooking the little community below, they, it's a community of about 70 people, so there's not a lot of people in the area, let alone, you know, there's no stores, there's no, there's no place to go. There's no self, there's not even cell phone service up there. There's no internet. There's no cell phone, no, nothing. So uh, social you're, isolation you're, you're to literally the extreme. Removed from the grid.
0: You, you were, I thought I was alone in my house with the dogs and the cats and my wife <laughs> and Netflix and the computer and the cell phone, but you guys are really social isolating. You're going to the point where all the internet connection, all that stuff is non-existent?
1: We, we've been mastering social isolation for the last
0: three years. <laughs> so you're pretty good at this. <laughs>
1: pretty good at this now, yeah.
0: i got to tell you a funny story before we get a break. Years ago, when I was still single and I was in a Baltimore police department, I was detailed to the DEA and I was deputized as a U.S. Marshal, and we went on vacation uh, in South Carolina, Hilton Head, South Carolina. And being a U.S. Marshal, you, you could carry a weapon with you everywhere you go. And I was carrying a weapon. I was talking a little smack at the bar to some girl, and she said, where are you from? And I I didn't know what to say, so I made up a story. I said, <laughs> I'm a hitman for the United States government. I live in Eagle River, Alaska, someplace I just made up I would never thought existed. And now I'm talking to you. You're in Eagle, Alaska, and I, I think it's safe to say it's a totally different world than what I'm used to. So you literally have eagles bears, and wolves as compared to what a lot of police officers or military veterans go through around you all the time.
1: Yeah, we actually have an active wolf pack. We we had a, a, a big male wolf come in last fall that tried to eat our puppies. We had to uh, run him off. That was quite
0: the story. Oh, you're kidding. I I thought being... Crazy was like handling drunken disorderlies and things like that. That you never knew what to expect. But you guys are dealing with wolves invading your territory trying to eat your puppies. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We are talking with Gwen Grimes retired law enforcement officer, and also a reality TV star from Naked and Afraid. Don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. One of the most frequent questions we see is, where can I find great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Yes, we do. So we decided to start our own podcast network on law enforcement today. That's right, you can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app. Go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the L.E.T. podcast network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the law enforcement today podcast network, go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu or download our free app today at letradioshow.com. Back to our conversation with Gwen Grimes, retired law enforcement officer, a reality TV star from Naked and Afraid, and living in Alaska, and he got like a wilderness retreat, WildwoodsAdventures.com. We'll talk more about that later on. Wild, W-Y-L-D, Woods, W-O-O-D-Z, Adventures.com. Let's talk about your law enforcement career, Gwen, and uh, Bird's Eye View, start to finish. You were Wasilla Alaska Police Department, and how long was your career?
1: I ended with Wasilla Police Department. I started my career with the North Slope Borough Police Department out of uh, Barrow, Alaska, and I did eight years with them and transferred down to Wasilla Police Department. That was more of a conventional department, uh, having shift work. uh, North Slope Borough Department, I worked two weeks on, two weeks off as a primary village uh, you, you'd cycle out to all the villages on the North Slope and you'd be the only officer out there handling a village of anywhere between 200 to 1,000 people.
0: So there's uh, no backup at all?
1: No backup, no. You're out there by yourself. That's, uh, it's just you.
0: <laughs> that's that's a concept that's a little bit different. You know, where I was in Baltimore is a high-crime area and a lot of violence, but there was something very reassuring that I knew if I had a problem, I could get on the radio and call for help and help would be there. You know, they were uh, three-quarters of a mile away, maybe a mile away. So, a matter of minutes, there was a couple, 20, 30 guys there. Uh, You guys, when you did this, you were totally by yourself.
1: Yeah, you were on your own. I mean, i had been in fights out there that, um, you know, you get the wind knocked out of you, and you're you're sucking air trying to get on your feet and get this guy under control, and there's nobody coming. It's just you. You better get him (laughs) because there's nobody coming to help you out. So, it was... as a as a young cop doing that learning how to function as your own uh, on the street dealing with individuals you really learned uh, interpersonal skills and survival fight tactics on being able to, to handle yourself out there and it was an interesting transition going from being a solo officer out in one of the remote villages to a city uh, department where you did have that hey it's a a radio call away and you got backup i actually got called called in by my chief when I just started there and he said uh, he said hey Grimes uh, what, what's up with you going out and, and doing John Wayne on these calls and I was like what are you talking about said, I'm just doing my job and he's like you have backup you are no longer in the villages you don't have to do this on your own
0: <laughs> it seems like, such, oh. like a, such a foreign yeah, concept okay. <laughs> I, I've watched a little bit of the Alaska State Troopers type shows and It just seems, it almost seems like I'm watching a television show from a different country. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I've never been to Alaska. I always wanted to go when it's not cold and see what it's like. But the thought of being that isolated is not something I think I'd want to do as a law enforcement officer. And there was a point in my life when I retired from police work that I didn't want to be around anybody. And I wanted to go out in the wilderness and isolate. And that's probably the worst thing in the world I could have done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it is the worst thing that you can do. You need to have that contact with outside people. I, I found that out the hard way. And you do. You cannot self-isolate and think that everything's going to get better because it's not. It's going to get worse.
0: No, because I'm left with just me and my stinking thinking. And I, that exactly, that yeah. always reverts back to bad stuff and, and bad memories and or fear of the future. We'll have that conversation in a moment. I want to return to your police career. So you did this out in on the North Slope or North Shore, or whatever they call it, and you're isolated, you're working by yourself for two weeks, no backup, then you go to a city department in Wasilla, and the backup's available, and you just got done talking about getting called in by your boss saying, hey, you're handling stuff by yourself, call for backup and, and do it a different way. Was that a difficult transition for you?
1: It was a super hard transition, because I was used to, I mean, for almost, almost 10 years, I did it by myself. It wasn't, there, that wasn't even an option of calling for help. And so having to phase out of that mindset of being very independent, making critical decisions on the fly by yourself uh, and, and dealing with those consequences. Now you're in a big department where you've not only got your local guys that are with you on shift, you've got state troopers there, you've got uh, agencies next door bordering you. All of these guys are available to help you out should hit the fan. So it's, it's just a different mindset. Whereas in the villages you're, your self-preservation mode and you're doing what you have to do to make it out of that incident alive and have the guy in custody safely and going into now i've got a whole bunch of guys you know I, for an, uh, an example there was a riot outside one of the bars and i just punched it go to the bar. i'm gonna go take care of this riot right so i'm B-1 and dispatch is yelling at me on the radio there is nobody around to back you up you need to to lay off. Well, I was already there at that point, so I'm bailing out of my car, running into to the middle of the fray to see what's going on, who break up this main fight, and I'm dealing with these two that had started it and trying to get them in under control. And all of a sudden, I hear <laughs> like a freight train coming behind me, and it's one of the other officers that's running full speed, and he just full on body tackles this guy that was coming up behind me. He thought he had a gun, that was but it was a cell phone that he was, he was recording with. He full-on body tackles him right over the top of me as I'm wrestling these other two guys on the ground. And I, at that moment, I realized the necessity for backup.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a different world. It I, My mind is officially blown that you don't – and by the way, a lot of people still carry a stereotype in their mind. I learned the reality of this is not true in the 80s about female officers being able to handle themselves in potentially violent situations. And the ones I worked with were phenomenal. They were, they were great. They were as brave as anybody. And what we had a really bad situation, back was right around the corner. if I was in a brawl, for example, if all you could do was hold an arm, then hold an arm. If, if you could get there and really trade dukes with them, which was very rare, then go ahead. But we asked that you just come help. So you're here by yourself, there's no backup, and you got to take care of business no matter how violent the situation. And then you yeah, transition I'm, to Wasilla, absolutely. and you are got to do the same thing, but backup's available. Did you find that people viewed you differently by your gender because of that? No,
1: not really. Starting off going out into the villages as a single female officer... Uh, at first it took, you literally had to fight your way to the top. Once you could prove that you knew how to fight and you, nobody was going to mess with you, the word spread across the villages. hey, don't mess with Officer Grimes. She knows what she's doing. She's going to put you in jail. <laughs> Just don't do it. And so your name preceded you before you'd end up in that village. I mean, I, I'd, I'd go toe-to-toe with the biggest guys in town because you had to, to be able to show that you could handle yourself and take care of business. I took out an active shooter by myself in one of the villages. There, there's a lot of things that happened where you just had to go do. It wasn't There was no choice. You just had to respond to the call. Then when I got to Wasilla, I already had that knowledge for myself that I knew what I was doing. I was good at my job. I was able to handle anything that got thrown at me. And that kind of bleeds over. Everybody sees that when they're working with you. And they're like, oh, yeah, she's great. I'll work with her anytime. doesn't matter that she's a female. She's going to be first on scene. My, one of my first calls that I went in Wasilla on, this guy had a knife and he was coming up the stairs, and I ended up tackling him and putting him into handcuffs. And the guy that was with me was like, holy <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you can work with me anytime. And it was just one of those knee-jerk reactions. You just take care of it here and now. You don't. I was still in that mindset of, there's no backup coming. get this taken care of quickly and with those kind of movements as you're going through people recognize that you can handle yourself you know what you're doing and And it it, it, it was fun i really enjoyed it
0: what matters this is the law enforcement show don't go anywhere got great conversation with gwen grimes when we return (laughs) finally our heroes have access to a world-class program for ptsd anxiety, depression, and more. The Help For Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. Got questions? They have the answers. At the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center, call 888-991-9725. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. Return a conversation with Gwen Grimes on the Law Enforcement Day Show. Gwen is a retired law enforcement officer and also a reality TV celebrity from the television series Naked and Afraid on, is that Discovery Channel It's on?
1: Discovery Channel, yeah. All right,
0: and uh, I've watched one time. I watched the episode featuring Gwen, and for those who are curious, they blur out all the areas that you're not allowed to see on television, which (laughs) I'll, I'll give away a little spoiler. They were in Chihuahua, Mexico, and on the shoreline and sand fleas. Have you ever been around the sand and the ocean and fleas, you know how badly they bite. I've never seen anybody sustain that amount of bites on their body and be okay. And the amount of weight that you and your partner lost during that, was it 21 days?
1: 21 days, yeah.
0: Was it 26 pounds you lost?
1: Yeah, both
0: of us lost 26 pounds. That's insane. My hat's off to you for... For accomplishing that it's a, an amazing thing i thought it was a joke until i watched it and, and i guess there's a parallel there a lot of people really don't have an understanding of what our, our law enforcement officers in america go through and uh, part of the reason why is because they don't hear the truth and that's why we do the law enforcement show because hollywood doesn't give you the truth whether it be television or movies and the news media doesn't give you the truth. Uh, we are talking earlier about you transitioning from being a solo officer out in the wilderness of Alaska for two weeks with no backup to going to Wasilla. How long were you in Wasilla Police Department? Three years. So total on a job was about 11, 12 years? It was close to 12 years, yeah. Okay, 12 years. What ended your career?
1: Uh, vehicle accident ended my career. I... I was responding to a call, a non-emergent call. I was stopped at a red light, and I was uh, reading my MDT, trying to see what I was heading into. And all of a sudden, the inside of my patrol car exploded, and I had this super sharp pain in my upper left chest, and I thought for sure that I'd just gotten shot. It just was this burning pain that just seared through my body. And I don't remember much of it other than glass kind of flickering in front of my face, and then things went black. Uh, what had happened was uh, a three-quarter-ton pickup truck doing 55. They estimated 50 to 55 miles an hour was not paying attention, uh, didn't see me, stopped at the red light, and hit me full force from behind, and wrapped my patrol car up around me like um, back seat was pushed into me. Uh, so they take me to the hospital. I had shoulder injury um, and head injury and. Uh, My my leg was messed up. And so I was off duty for a few weeks recovering from that. And then I decided I was still hurting. I was still in a lot of pain. And I thought, yeah, there's bumps and bruises, suck it up, buttercup, get back to work. So I did. I went back to work. And I kept having a lot of problems with my dominant left gun hand. And it was like doing these um, sparks of of pain. Like little lightning bolts will be shooting through my arm all the time. It was really uncomfortable, especially when I had my vest on, and I kept going into the doctor and saying, I don't know what's going on, but something, something is not right. And he said, well, you probably have nerve damage from that accident. And so I keep going into the to the doctor, and he says, finally says, you're going to need to get surgery. This is getting worse. Uh, it's not getting better. You, you need to get surgery done on it. Well, because I'd gone back to work, workers' comp had said, nope, sorry, no longer related to this accident even though it was progressively getting worse from the point of that accident. Well, for two years, I was battling workers' comp because the doctor kept saying, you need to get in and get this done. And I went to three different uh, independent medical examiners that the state had sent me to to get different evaluations. All, every single one of them said, get her in and get surgery done. She's going to lose her arm if you don't get this done. So waiting on paperwork for almost two years, still going to work, my arm actually turned blue at one point, and they said this is you cannot keep doing this. you're just gonna have to pay it out of pocket or something you can't you just need to get this done. Well, when we went in to talk to the state's lawyer, he saw my arm and he's like, "Oh my gosh, what is that what we're fighting over? Yes, that's what we're fighting over. He goes, "You need to get into surgery now, and so they got me into surgery within the next couple days after after that. Well, at that point, once the surgery is done, I did all the rehab, took about six months doing rehab, the nerve damage was already done. It was too severe. They'd they'd removed a rib out of my chest. They'd reconstructed my shoulder. They'd put everything back together the best they could, but the nerve had been damaged for so long and continuing to be damaged as I was using it that it it just blew my arm out, basically. I have a 40% loss of the nerve function in my dominant arm, which translated over to, you can no longer go out and successfully qualify with your handgun because you can't shoot. <laughs> right. And uh, it effectively ended my career at that point, and I I was devastated. I was not, uh, here I am, sign my paper so I can go back to work. Come on, guys, this is ridiculous. Let me go back to work. They're like, nope, nope, nope. And then finally they came in and said, I'm sorry, but this is a career-ending injury, and you will never go back to work. And it it. Those are the worst words that you can hear when that is all that you ever do. Like, How old were that's you when life. that happened? This was, this was three years ago. I, I retired in 2017. So I was 46.
0: When similar happened to me, when my career was suddenly over, and, and I, I try to explain it to people this way, I loved police work. I'm, I'm like you. I could tell you loved it too. I loved everything about what I did. I didn't love every aspect of the job. I didn't love what it did to me mentally, emotionally, but I didn't find that till later. But one day I went to work, something really bad happened, and I thought I sprained my wrist, and multiple surgeries later, and they said, you're done. Your career's over, and you get the doctors, the lawyer's involved, and it's a big legal dispute, a big argument, but I was 33, Gwen, and I had no idea what I wanted to do, or who I was going to be from that point on. This is all I knew. That's all I thought I was good at. Yeah. And it's all I thought I wanted to do. I had I had no idea about radio I'm doing now. And it was, it's a lot to handle. Having that forced upon you suddenly when you weren't ready to go on your terms. I wanted to retire on my terms.
1: Absolutely. That's what we all want. We all want to go out on our own terms. When that's taken away from you, not only do you lose your sense of self and identity and everything else that you have thought that that's who you were, all of a sudden, in a heartbeat, that part of you is gone and can't be recovered. And now what? Like, what do you, what do, you do now? So not only do you have the problems with you've lost your career, you've lost your identity of self, you've suffered massive financial catastrophes trying to battle to keep, to keep your job, to keep your you know, house, to keep everything, and with all of that it all just kinda snowballs on you and it ends up getting overwhelming to the point that you don't know where to turn to and the lot of people don't even know that there's help out there I didn't at the time I had no clue that there was any help at all and I went through some pretty bad stuff after I had to be retired I mentally it was just it was very very hard and I figured it out on my own but it wasn't easy and one of the things that actually helped me through that was Naked and afraid. I was so devastated that this disability now that i have been assigned was going to control my life. I went on that show to prove to myself, for one, and to other people that you can't let a disability define who you are as a person. You're not, don't let it stop you. So I went on that show to do that, and I successfully did that. And with that airing, Eddie Richardson from The Wounded Blue happened to see my episode, tracked me down, and said, Holy. I love your story. You want to come join the Wounded Blue? We'd love to have you on board. I was like, absolutely. So, not only did doors open for me nationally with going on Naked and Afraid, now I'm a peer support advocate with the Wounded Blue, which is a national organization for wounded police officers. And on those forums, now I have more of a national voice. I can tell my story, I can help others, I can help have people know that it is not the end of the road when you sustain an injury. By the way,
0: Eddie Richardson was a guest on the show quite a while ago. Go to letradioshow.com to listen to past episodes of the show. Hey folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click like and follow. Click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. Or turn our conversation with Gwen in just a few moments. Don't go anywhere. Did you know that 32% of Americans listen to at least one podcast a month and 22% listen to podcasts weekly? After episodes of the Law Enforcement Today radio show have aired, they're converted to podcasts. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast and be sure to subscribe for free. Hi, this is John J. Wiley, host of the show. One of the questions I get all the time is where can I find new podcasts to check out? You can find podcasts from all genres posted daily on the Podcast Zone Facebook page. From established chart-topping podcasts to new up-and-comer podcasts, you can find them all posted at the Podcast Zone Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Podcast Zone. Look for the bright green profile image and be sure to click like and follow. And tell your friends about the Podcast Zone Facebook page. Back to our conversation with Gwen Grimes. Gwen is a retired police officer and also a reality television show contestant in Naked and Afraid and an advocate for, for wounded officers. So before we went to break, Gwen, you're, you're talking about how your career was ended by a vicious car accident and it was unexpected. You weren't ready to go. You weren't ready to retire. And, and by the way, so many people I've had on the show and so many people that have written for law enforcement today have gone through career-ending injuries in the same scenario where they had to fight tooth and nail with workers' comp and and were abused and were ignored and you never knew if you were going to get fired or, or retired or what it was going to be. And a resounding theme was so many of them. We have an article that's been written and people who aren't in law enforcement don't get it. And one of the, the theme of the article is I wish I'd died in line of duty instead of surviving because it was so much more difficult. They weren't prepared for that. Uh, Do you ever find yourself in that scenario where are saying, I wish I hadn't survived? Not now. I mean, back then.
1: Absolutely. That was one of the thoughts that went through my mind. I wish I would have just died in that accident because then I I was raising my children. by my as a single parent. I'd been a single parent for a long time. Here, all of a sudden, I cannot keep a roof over their head because I don't make enough money now that I don't have this job. So I, my kids would have been taken care of completely had I been killed in the line of duty. I'd have been gone. But somebody to stepped in and taken care of them, those were thoughts that were going through my head. And so, yes, it, it is a very, very real thought that goes through your head. And that's why I tell people, you don't have to trip down that rabbit hole. You you have options available. You need to be there for your children. You need to be there for your family members and for your friends. Your life is not worthless, it, and it's certainly have not a, you over have a purpose.
0: <laughs> it, it's not over and, it, and it's not defined by how your career ended and I love what you said of this disability doesn't define me, and I need to prove that to people and I went through that too. People look at me they have no idea unless they look very closely and then see the parts of my hand don't move and then they see the scars. but for a long time, I felt defined by that, and then I realized I could do almost everything I could do before except for. There's things I can't grab, I can't carry. Riding a motorcycle, I had to learn how to use accelerator differently, and certainly there's things I can't do, but there's so much more that I could. And when I left police work, I was forced into it, like you, and I had to find out what I want to do. And about five to 10 years later, I started pursuing a career in radio, and I found my passion, and I found that I could combine what I went through in police work and radio and do something I'm very passionate about, which is the Law Enforcement Today show. And trying to provide a platform for people to tell their stories about what they've been through, like you.
1: And it's nice to have that there where we have a voice. There, There's a voice out there that now you can make your voice heard, not only amongst your, your local people and friends and family, now you have the ability to spread that message nationwide, globally even. And it does make a difference when... When you get hurt and you don't think that there is anything out there to help you with, because I know I'm not the only person in the world that thought, oh, there's nobody out there that could help me. When you start hearing these stories and you start seeing these things that have happened to other people that are similar to your stories, you kind of get a sense of solace in that where you're like, hey, I really wasn't alone. There are other people out here going through the same exact thing or very similar thing to, to what I went through. And now you have a new platform that you can talk amongst each other. And then you go out and you help others that are going in through that same thing. And like, hey, brother, sister, it, it's going to be okay. We're here. Let us help
0: you. One of the things I think is particularly gratifying, too, it, it helps me quite a bit to know that what I went through, the difficult days, can benefit someone else. that's going through similar now. But an added benefit that I didn't realize until I started talking to people who listen to the Law Enforcement Today show. And they say, I'm not in law enforcement. I'm not in military. I've never been a first responder. But I found that when these people tell their stories, and more importantly, when they tell about what they did and what they do to get to their new normal, that's inspiration that all of us can use. What's the one thing you do, or the two things you do daily that you focus on to make sure you're okay?
1: Every day, uh, I have the gentle reminders as I drop coffee cups or go to pick something up and I'm not actually even touching it. that remind me that that injury is still there, alive and well, even though I try to push it out of my mind and and make my world as normal as possible. And in order to be able to accomplish that, I try to make sure that I always have that open-door policy of being able to help others. I want people to be able to call me. I get a lot of satisfaction out of people calling me and saying, hey, can we talk for a little bit? Absolutely. I'll talk to you all day if you need to. And it gets me out of my head on my injury and I'm able to help somebody else. And so I try to make sure that I have that open, open door. I try to send something out online or something that, Hey, I'm here to talk if you need, you know, I'll do buddy checks on people and just kind of reaching out, helping other people uh, is how I get through my day to day to make sure that others are doing okay. And that they're not tripping down some rabbit hole. If I can help them out of it, that would be fantastic.
0: And of course you went to the other extreme where you said hey I'm gonna do naked and afraid to prove myself I can do it so people like me don't have to do that and I say jokingly as a fat old guy there, I'd be definitely afraid of being walking around naked and I, I can't I I'll be honest with you I can't take the trash out barefoot because the pebbles kill my feet so seeing you walk around that beach with the hot sand barefooted with no clothes on not a stitch clothes on, it's not something i would ever attempt so people listening you don't have to do that Gwen's done you that you do for not
1: us. have to do that but i'll tell you that is one of the most brutal things i have ever inflicted on my body
0: and people you volunteered for that
1: evidently yeah
0: <laughs> so there we go back to the beginning of our conversation about who in their right mind would do this you're retired police that answers the question
1: yeah, it 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 really was. It was it was that opportunity. I just, you know, that seize the moment thing. How many people get asked to do this show? They found me. I didn't apply for it. They had actually found me. I was I I never had had an online presence cuz because of my police affiliation and I didn't have any um any any way for people to track me down, so I'd always ghost my boyfriend's accounts. And so, <laughs> so I had been talking on some medical survivalist forums and whatnot, and I, I love teaching survival classes. I've been doing it for a long time. And the, the Metal Flowers Media had contacted my boyfriend and said, hey, we really like what we see on this stuff. And he's like, "What? what is this? What? I don't even know what this is. I was like, oh, they're probably talking to me. And so they wanted us to call. So we did and went through the process of getting cast down there in L.A., And it was literally, they had reached out, they saw that the survival forums that I'd been on and posting things in, and asked if I wanted to be on the show, and I was like, yeah, absolutely, I'd love to be on that show, that would be interesting to test myself, test my skills, and and like I said, prove that this disability is not going to stop me from doing
0: anything that I want to do. My hat's off to you. By the way, if anybody from that media company is listening, do not call me. I'm not going to do this show. I'm not interested. (laughs) I'm not the guy you want. I find it fascinating that you now have this nonprofit where you help first responders, law enforcement, military veterans out in the wilds of Alaska. Uh, How can people help? When when you talk about 501c3s, fundraising is always an issue. How can people help you?
1: Fundraising is our biggest issue because what we're doing is building cabins on the property that we own ourselves and setting up places for people to stay. In order to do that, there's not enough big timbers around where we live that we could actually cut stuff down ourselves and build our own cabins. So we need to go down to a local lumber yard and and buy the supplies to build some stick frame cabins and just put up some guest houses basically is what they are. And in order to do that, we got to deal with but our Builder Supply, where they're giving us basically their cabin kits for half price of what they normally charge the general public, which is a fantastic deal for us. But we just don't have the funds to be able to go down and buy these kits. So what we're hoping for is either people can get online and go through the donation link that we have on our website. You can donate cash through there. And if you need receipts, we can send you receipts. It's all tax deductible. Anybody that comes up to stay at our retreat, also tax deductible. So we're trying to work with other big companies like Soldiers Heart, the Wounded Blue, veterans affiliated groups that will send us groups of guys and they'll just be on the nonprofit circuit basically where the money that they send us so that we can feed and house them then gets transferred over to another nonprofit as they cycle into the next one. And so that's how that nonprofit game works is that people just kind of move from one spot to another. No money really goes into your pocket, but it just keeps getting the pay it forward effect basically is what it comes down to.
0: So you can get more details and do all that online at wildwoodsadventures.com. That's W-Y-L-D, W-O-O-D-Z, adventures.com. And I'm sure you're on Facebook as well. And by the way, since they're out in the wilderness, it could be a week or two before they reply. Gwen, yes. thanks so much for coming on the show. It's very much appreciated.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. We've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.